Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church, and you are listening to Duns Creek Conversations, a weekly podcast about faith, growth, discovery, and the journey that God is leading each and every one of us on. Today in the podcast, we are joined by Pastor Gary Taylor. We spoke with Pastor Gary Taylor a year ago in season one of Duns Creek Conversations as he had first come on as senior pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Black, Florida. Now, a year later, he is six months into serving as the lead pastor of Life Church Palatka, a relaunch and replant led by the Florida Baptist Convention to take Tabernacle Baptist Church in a brand new direction under his leadership. I'm so excited for you to hear from him today, to hear about the partnership that God is developing in ministry and all of the exciting things that are happening at Life Church Palatka. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right in. It's been a year, but we are back with Pastor Gary Taylor. And Gary, last time we were with you, we interviewed you in season one for the podcast, and you had just come to Tabernacle Baptist Church after spending about a year as the youth pastor at Duns Creek. And when you had arrived here, um, you were about six months into being here as pastor, and you were commenting on how much you were eager to bring a change. But also you spoke pretty honestly, and for our listeners, you can go back and listen to, I think it is the fifth episode of season one. But you can go back and listen to Gary talk about how it was a risk, that it was a risk as the non-traditional pastor for you to come here, which was a pretty conservative traditional church. And it was a risk for the church hiring you, bringing you in, knowing that one of the first things you were going to want to do in a small declining church was change things. And here we are a year later, and we're not sitting in Tabernacle Baptist Church. We are in Life Church Palatka, where you are the lead pastor. So Gary, thank you so much for being with us. And tell us a little bit about how you got from a year ago serving as the senior pastor at Tabernacle Baptist Church to today being in the same location in the same building as the lead pastor of Life Church Palatka. Well, Rob, it doesn't seem like it's been a year, first of all. Um, it doesn't seem like I've been here 18 months, um, but I have, and it has been a year since the last time we did this. And um, the best way for me to say in one word what has happened here in the last 12 months is just, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just wow. And and I was talking to somebody about this last night uh, at, at ministry that we do on Monday nights. And, and we were just talking about all of the changes and the way things were. And I said, look, here's here's how I look at it. And just in my own simple mind, I, I just figure if, if I can explain it and if you can explain it, if we can explain what's happening, then God didn't do it. Hmm. And so much has changed from, you know, the small conservative um, Southern Baptist Church that was practically, I mean, it was on life support. You know, if you, if you walked into a hospital room, this church would have been laying there. It was just, it was on life support. And, and we realized um, six months into my being here that we had, we had two choices. We can do something drastic or we can pull the plug. Hmm. And so um, there was about 20 people and we just chose to do something drastic. And we took everything that we had, everything that we knew about your conservative, traditional Southern Baptist church, and um, 
threw it away and got rid of it. Mm. And we started over as Life Church Palaka, and um, we're still Baptist and, you know, in nature, but we don't advertise that. And, you know, what we just say, you know what, this is a place where, where we want to do life with you, regardless of your past or current circumstance. We want you to be part of the family. We want to do life with you. Mm. So there's something so powerful in that. Um, but but I want to, for the sake of our listeners, I, I want to unpack a few things uh, because one of the things that I, I think can so easily happen for us is we use so we use terms like conservative and liberal because we're so used to using those terms in terms of political systems. It can be hard sometimes to think of them in terms of churches or theological systems. And so just for our listeners, when we say it's conservative, what we're really saying is is really clinging to um, a, a very cautious, traditional approach to, to ministry. And so the idea here is not, to, is not to make a value judgment there, not that we think con- conservative churches, liberal churches, that, that's not the conversation, but simply saying that there was a traditionalism combined with a caution in terms of change that meant that based on the trajectory of where the church was headed unless you would unless you abandoned that identity if you unless you abandoned that caution this church was 12 months away from closing its doors oh maybe not even 12 months and so that's got to be a strange position to be in because a year ago when we talked you were talking about how ultimately God had led you here. There was a, a church that was interested in, in bringing you on out west. Yes. And ultimately, you turned that opportunity down to come to this church where you first started serving in ministry, where you were ordained in ministry, where you were called into ministry. This this church that was really the church that kind of birthed Pastor Gary, as we know him today. That's right. Um, God put a sense on your life, put a calling in your life to come here to, to, at the time, what was Tabernacle Baptist Church. In six months into being here as pastor, you're looking around and going, if we don't do something drastic, this church is not going to survive. And so the solution there was to kind of throw everything out, to wipe the slate clean, to, to clean the board and basically go, we are starting from scratch with a replant that's a hard thing to do under the best of circumstances but i imagine because churches don't end up with the identity they have by accident churches end up with the identity they have because that's the congregation of people there you had a very unique challenge ahead of you which was to lead a small group of people who were bought in to this idea of the church surviving, but you had to lead a group of people knowing that all of this was going to be brand new to them, as it was brand new to you. Mm-hmm. All of this was going to be new, and you had to help them see the bigger picture, see the larger vision in every step of the process along the way. So from from the first conversations you had with the 20 people who were here at the time, what were those conversations like and, and how did you kind of keep that big picture vision in front of them at each of those steps along the way so that they didn't get caught up in the minutia 
of the small day-to-day decisions? Well, I'll tell you, it's the it's those small day-to-day decisions that really just wear you down. And um, you know, the first thing that we did, Rob, is we surveyed our community, our little six blocks right here, you know, between the the major roadways of Palatka, um, about who we are and what we're doing. And here's one thing that we discovered. There isn't anybody, wasn't anybody around us that had any idea who we were and what we stood for. Hmm. And that was, that was the, the, the shock. So we said, you know what, what do we want to do? Who do we want to be? How do we want to impact the kingdom of God? Hmm. And that's where we started. We said we want to reach people that your other, I hate the way this sounds, but it's so truthful. We want to reach people that other churches don't want. Hmm. What is are, Un- unpack that for us a little bit. What do you mean when you say that? Um, well, I know that so many of my, my, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are going to listen to this. And um, if you're a perfect person, you're not going to fit in well here. Mm-hmm. We, um, we wear casual clothes. We have tattoos. We, we have piercings. We have sin. We have hurt, pain, hang-ups, struggles. We're just normal people doing lives together and life is messy and so many of your traditional there's that word again traditional churches we put on a fake facade when we go to church Mm. and when you're when you're when you're wearing clothes that you only wear one day a week and you have a personality that you only wear one hour a week that's just not who you are Mm. you're not doing life with those people you're dressing up and going out Mm. And uh, you know what? We just wanted to roll up our sleeves and do life with people that are hurting and uh, people that want to be disciples of Jesus Christ because his disciples weren't perfect and uh, they struggled with life just like we do. Hmm. And so that's kind of just who we decided we want to be. We, we want to be Life Church. Hmm. We chose the name Life Church uh, because we want to do life with you. Yeah. So there's, there is a, there's a core value then of this new identity a, a core value to this new DNA that is rooted in the authenticity of of this experience of this community. That this idea that we want to bring we want to bring our lives, even the messy parts, mm-hmm. into fellowship with each other mm-hmm. and with God. That's right. And and so I love you know you you, you kind of pointed that out again. This idea of traditional and and again. So for our listeners. When, when we use the word traditional, I think sometimes, especially if you've been around the church for the last 25 years, so often when people use the word traditional, they're, they're describing a worship style. So, so they're, they're thinking traditional versus conservative. And again, that's not necessarily how you're using that word here. We're, we're talking about moving away from what has, especially in the rural American South, that what has become tradition in the last hundred years for, for better or for worse, one of the byproducts, one of the unnecessary byproducts or one of the um, unintended byproducts, one of the side effects, if you will, of the evangelical movement is that it has produced a certain amount of cultural Christianity. And, and so the tradition you're really talking about, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is moving away from that cultural Christianity that you don't want the church to be just a, a an event people attend 
that that you're really wanting to move into this space of going no we want to live life together and so we don't this isn't about one hour a week this is about the totality of our lives the good the bad and the ugly all coming together and saying you are loved fully by God right there and you are loved fully by these people right there correct if you go back and look at Jesus and his and his disciples they lived life together they ate together they worshiped together they cried together they were happy together they you just have to imagine um, extra biblically you know for a minute we just are reading in the New Testament small portions of their lives but if they were traveling from place to place together if they were sleeping in the same place at night obviously they were doing life together they weren't just together one hour a week Mm -hmm. and and that's the community the culture that we want life church to be Mm. you know when we go back to the traditional church because that's that's the generation that we're moving out of and moving into the largest generation in history and it's so widely unchurched Mm. Um, and I believe that that is because we've traded our children for our traditions Mm -hmm. and and so we have excommunicated an entire generation because we don't like the way they dress we don't like the the music they listen to even if that even if that's Christian music Mm. it's too loud or it's got too much noise or it's too much bass and so we're we're telling a whole culture a whole generation of people that the Jesus they worship is is an old traditional Jesus mm. that doesn't worship or receive the worship the way that they present it, yeah. and I just don't believe that's true. Yeah, I mean, in, in the there's there's an audacity to that because it's it, it's not even the idea of, of traditional in the way you're talking about it. It's not a traditionalism like traditional to the first century Jesus experience or the Jesus follower experience, right? It is traditional to early 20th century. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, so, so really, or in, in specifically in the American South, early 20th century white Southern American. Right. Which is unbelievably racist, unbelievably ethnocentric. Like, right. the, the audacity of going, this is, this and this alone is what it looks like to worship Jesus and follow Jesus. Um, but here you are in Palatka. I mean, you want to talk about Life Church. Life Church is here. I mean, center of the city, center heart of, of the city. city. Yep, heart of the city. And uh, and so this is. I tell people, I says we're on the busiest street in Palatka, next to the busiest restaurant in Palatka. Yeah, everybody sees us. And um, you know, we are we're doing ministry on on Sunday and Monday and Wednesday. We're we're adding a ministry on Tuesday, and uh, we are we are just hopping and. Uh, it, it gets out. People see it. Uh, people stop me in public, and they're like, "Hey, I want to know what you guys are doing on Mondays because I work on Sundays and I, I want to do church on Monday." And, and so, I mean, it's just really exciting the things that are going on and the way that the community is responding. I, lo- I love it. So, to, to the, the 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 question that I have is, is this idea of going. You are doing this thing at a church with with a long history, but not known. Not not seen as important or impactful or significant by the community at large, and right. you're going, hey, we got to re we got to repurpose this thing, we got to relaunch this thing, we got to replant this thing. That's not anything in your experience. And again, for those of you who want to hear Gary's faith journey and what all of that has looked like, I can't encourage you enough to go back to season one and listen to that first interview with him. 
But at no point in your career, no point in your ministry experience to this point, have you been a part of a relaunch or a replant? So you, know, you kind of know we've got to do this thing. It's a big thing to do. It's a scary thing to do. It's it's a it is a giant risk, but it's a, a necessary risk because of where the church was at. But it's not something you bring a lot of experience to and how to do that. So once you realized we've got to do something drastic, who did you reach out to? What was what was what was the first step for you to get from where you were then to where you are now? Yeah, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> we're we're just kind of figuring it out as we go, and uh, so. Uh, I knew that something had to be done, and I had read a lot of articles and some books about, you know, replanting and revitalization, and uh, and so I reached out to our regional catalyst at the Florida Baptist Convention, Craig Colbreth, and um, Craig is a great guy, he's a great friend, and just has been a, a huge support to us, and has directed us and kind of given us um, the the pathway that we mm-hmm. need to follow. And, uh, and and stays with us, and he, he's been right beside us. You know, that's that's the, the hashtag for the Florida Baptist Convention. And prior to this, I, I wasn't a I wasn't a convention guy, mm-hmm. uh, but I am now. I'm totally sold out to the work that they do for churches. Mm. And uh, uh, Craig Colbert, Dr. Tommy Green, and, and they really are right beside you. And uh, if it wasn't for for them and their support and their commitment, um, Palatka would have lost this opportunity from life church mm. or, or life church would have lost this opportunity for palaka so what did, what did that look like so um again for those of you who aren't in baptist world or not in baptist world in the state of florida um most baptist churches are are involved on multiple levels uh and many or most are involved at the local associational level um but associations by nature of where they are and and how small the support is there's, there is a ceiling on what kind of support the association can provide. Um, though there are certainly churches in our association that have helped along the way that we're gonna get to. Um, but the state convention is really kind of the arm through which most Baptist churches relate to and have relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention at large. So, so essentially the state convention is kind of this large supporting arm. And so I know one of the things that um, one of the things that happened early on in your ministry here, you came here in, in not two months after you came here as pastor, um, a hurricane came through Palatka, did a lot of damage to this to this building and to the roof. They, the church, the, the state convention came along and said, hey, we'd like to give you some money. Um, not alone, just, hey, we, we've got, because of how many churches give faithfully and pour into this large pot, we have the ability to come along and just help you. And so they, they did that for you. And so obviously there was a relationship that began there. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take very long for you to go from the beginning of that relationship to understanding, okay, there's a role here for the state convention to play. And at the time, there, and, and even now, there's a big push, a big movement within the Florida Baptist Convention towards revitalization, towards church replanting, because a lot of communities are going through the same thing that Putnam County is going through, which is there are uh, there are churches, there are a lot of churches 
but there are fewer and fewer people at those churches. So there are a number of churches that are shutting their doors, even with um, assets and buildings. And so, I mean, churches that are in prime position to be healthy, but they really need kind of a, a new heart, a new vision, a new, uh, a new identity to launch them forward. And so you kind of got this picture that that's what needed to happen here. And you went to uh, Craig Colberth mm-hmm. at the state convention. And I understand that he not just began a dialogue with you, but began a dialogue with you that would include, here's the multi-step process that we want to come alongside of you, that we want to be right beside you and help you do. We're going to provide a tremendous amount of funding. We're, we're going to provide a lot, a lot of the capital up front to make that happen. But it wasn't just an organization coming alongside of you and saying, hey, we're going to write a check. They were hands-on involved. They, they had conversations with people in your church. Tell me a little bit about that process. And, and for our listeners, tell us a little about what that process looked like and why it was so valuable to where the church to to getting the church to where it is today. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I, we have to be careful in saying that it was a tremendous amount of capital. Um, it, it was it was it's enough capital to get you going. And and so and and so the capital that really comes, which for a small church can be a tremendous amount. It can. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, so maybe not yeah. tremendous in terms of the amount, but tremendous in terms of its impact. The impact, How about absolutely. Okay. Yeah, definitely impact. When when you're when you're a small church with twenty people and you've got a, a facility this size, you're trying to figure out how to pay the light bill every month, and so uh, anything is tremendous. Um, and the support, the financial support from the Florida Baptist Convention when you start a replant um, helps you with things like signage. And, and the legal aspect mm-hmm. of it, because that can be quite costly. And so, uh, yes, the Florida Baptist Convention helps with that. And, and, and as far as, as what their funding ability is, it, you know, a lot of it's their budgetary constraints uh, and what the church needs. And so we have received, you know, that support. And uh, just coincidentally, the, the funds that we've received from them from the hurricane we started this process right after that. And mm-hmm. so we still had those funds. We got a roof fixed, you know, for, for next to nothing. And, and so we were able to apply some of that money toward the replant and, um, and our, and our people really just stepped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our people really were sold out to the vision and, and have given, um, generously way beyond what we ever would have expected. Um, to be able to do from a group of retired individuals. Mm. And uh, it was just, it was amazing to see God work um, through the people that he had already planted here so that we can start this process. Mm. So state convention comes along and again, some of that financial help is Mm -hmm. there. Mm Mm-hmm. But you begin to have a series of meetings with the church. Yes. Tell us a little bit about those. Uh, so we start with um, who we are, where we're going, what's your purpose. Have a couple of town hall meetings. Uh, we talk about about our goals, our vision, our plan. You know what? And and everybody has this idea. Uh, it's just a matter of of putting it all together and and getting thoughts from everybody because it involves everybody. Um, everybody has an expectation of what you want your church to be. 
and the impact of, of what you want your church to be. Uh, because if we're going to invite people, our friends and our family to church, we want to be proud of our church. Hmm. And so we put all those thoughts on paper, just right out there in front of everybody. We wrote them out on paper. We kind of grouped them into categories. And, uh, and so from that, we just discovered that we all really have the same thought. We have the same purpose. We want to be disciples of Jesus that make disciples. We, just, we want to love people. We want to love Jesus. We want to be disciples that make, that make more disciples. And, and when you look at the Bible, that comes straight out of Matthew. And so that's really how we became who we are. And so then the next question is, well, how do we love people? And how do we love Jesus? And how do we make disciples? And the greatest way we thought of, well, if we're going to love Jesus, then we have to love the people that Jesus loves. And we're not really interested in, in, in taking other church members because there's 45,000 unchurched people in Putnam County. Hmm. So let's go after that 45,000. And so that's how we decided that regardless of your circumstance, regardless of who you are, where you are in your life, those are the people we want. Hmm. So with the, with the intentional mindset of going after unchurched people. An intentional mindset. Everything we do at Life Church is with the mindset of going after unchurched people. But that also dramatically changes how you do church. Yes, it I does. I mean, it, it radically changes what your services look like. It radically changes what ministries look like. Your Even your metrics for success are dramatically changed. That's right. So how do you get people to not just see that, hey, this is what we're doing, but here are the implications of this goal? Yeah. So uh, we knew that's who we wanted to be, and we knew that's what we wanted to do. We didn't know how to do it, hmm. and we didn't know where to start. And so we, um, we started an intentional prayer of God, here we are. Uh, right out of Isaiah, he, here we are, we're ready, we'll go, if you'll send us. And um, we, um, we got hooked up with um, Celebrate Recovery mm -hmm. um, that was operating already at, at one of our sister churches here in Palatka. And um, they moved here to Life Church. And so we, we said, okay, you know what? God has, only God could have put this together and so this has to be the reason that Life Church is here. Hmm. Um, and so that that's become our biggest ministry yeah. during the week is celebrate recovery. Well, let me for for our listeners, let me kind of go back a little bit because the it, it it didn't just go from let's launch let's relaunch as this new identity let's 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 replant with this new identity and then here this ministry is going to come. You relaunched officially in November. November, and for your for your core people, for the people that are here and bought in and have been attending all these town halls and all these meetings and are serving in all these roles. I mean, the people that are um, bought in from the beginning. There's what four months of conversation mm. leading up to yeah. Four, four or five. Yeah, yeah, four or five months of conversation leading up to the actual replant. Four the, or five public months. Four or five I mean, there were multiple months, three or four months that I was meeting privately with so, convention staff. Uh, so, but, but I'm saying for yeah. the church. For the it, church, four the, or five months. It had been about four or five months for the church. 
And one of the things that can, can happen when any big change comes is that we can carry some expectation. Even if we don't say it out loud, I think there can be a certain degree of expectation that we carry, which is we will do this big change and automatically that, that's all we'll have to do. We'll do the big change in doing the change in and of itself, changing the identity, changing the name, changing the sign, like almost this sense of if we put a new sign out by the road, that alone is going to bring new people in. And even if we don't say that out loud, that can be, I think, an unspoken expectation that people have. But then, of course, what what happens is you launch in November, and November, December, January, it's all kind of the same. New, New church, new name, new identity, building looks better and different. Services are functioning a little different, but essentially it's still the same group of people that are that are there. Mm-hmm. And, and that can, I don't care who you are, that can be a little discouraging. Because yeah. it feels like so much work has gone into this change. And then what quickly happens is you realize, okay, actually the change was the easiest part. Because... All the name change, all, like all of that stuff, all the all the kind of replant, revitalization, relaunch stuff that happens on paper, that's the only place it happens. Correct. Now you begin the long, hard work of actually beginning to lead this church to live into this new identity in this new DNA, and that doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen as as quickly as you can change a sign. So talk to us a little bit about how you led and how for you personally, you survived that kind of first three months after the relaunch, where even if no one's saying it out loud, or even if you're not saying it out loud, there is some sense of expectation that just the just the change on itself should do something. And then you have to go, oh no, this was just the easiest part of the long work still to come. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you this, um, changing the sign was the easiest part. I did it myself in about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that was all that had to be done. Mm. Uh, but it's a foolish expectation to change the sign, to change your name, and think that that's going to draw people in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the reality is, whatever the issues or problems were before, you still have the same people. Mm-hmm. And so we have to over-communicate the fact that if you don't see any change within the first three years, it's okay. Mm. Um, and so we had, we had prepped the people that were here. We're, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to be life church. We're going to keep communicating who we want to be to the community, not who we are, because we're still the same people. But this is who we want Life Church to be. And we're going to communicate that. But most importantly, we have to be willing to change. Mm. We have to accept the fact that at some point or another, people dying and going to hell is no longer okay. We have to change who we are to be willing to reach new people. Mm. Not just new church people, but new lost people. Mm. And so we... 
Uh, it was a long process. It's still, it's an ongoing process. Um, it's a hurtful process because, um, you know, let's, let's, not, let's not be incredibly foolish here. Not everybody's going to be sold out to the vision. People are going to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, we experienced some of that. Um, we didn't have max exodus, uh, but we did have some people leave. And you know what? That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's really okay. Um, because part of that's the process, mm-hmm. and part of that's the plan. Yeah. Um, for, because not everybody's going to be sold out. So you have this plan, and part of the plan, part of the prep work of the plan, is you're letting the people know. And, and I love how you said that you're over communicating that up front. We have to let people know we may not experience massive growth growth in the first three years. And, and you're prepping them for that. And I love how you said that because we have to change. Because the right. church has to change. That's right. And what I love about that is it it's recognizing, it's it's having a degree of grace for yourselves. It's having a degree of grace that, hey, we are also in a discipleship process we are also growing and maturing we are also beginning to live in to this identity this identity that christ has already announced over us but we still have the work of kind of growing into that identity but i think one of the things that happens is if you have that kind of grace for your people and prep them with that kind of grace it makes it that much easier for them to understand the need to have grace for others. And so as you see um, the unchurched come in, as you see people who who don't know Jesus, it allows your congregation to be gracious with them in understanding that, hey, we believe that Jesus can save like that, that that it can be that, that the salvation experience can happen in a moment. But that change doesn't happen in a moment because none of us got where we are overnight and we're not going to get away from where we are overnight. That's right. And so there's simply by prepping your people with that idea and in giving them that grace so much better equips them to have grace for others. That's right. And isn't it incredible the way God works that here's what's happening behind the scenes, this grace you're prepping your people for. And then we get to end of February. So yes. essentially the, the three-month mark of the, of the replant. And nothing had changed. And nothing had changed. <laughs> nothing had changed. I mean, nothing had changed. the paint on the walls and the lights in the, in the room and the signage out front had changed. But other than that, not much had changed. That's correct. But because, again, you're, you're going, hey, there's this new identity we want to live into. And because when you, want, when you begin to live into that new identity, you do begin to become available for things. You, become, you begin to become available for God to do some things that you may not have been open to before. But now God can do because you're ready with a yes. That's right. And that came in the form of another conversation with Craig Colberth, who came to you and said, I've just had a conversation with Jeremy Rea, who leads Celebrate Recovery in Palatka. And he's looking for a place to serve on staff. 
Yes. And they're looking for a new church home. Yes. For Celebrate Recovery. Yes. No, and again, it's one of those things that that had been an existing ministry. It was an existing ministry at a sister church. Um, so it wasn't something you had gone out and said, "Hey, let's can let's go steal a, a ministry from another nope. church." Nope. The 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 regional catalyst from the state convention comes to you and says, "What these, what this ministry is doing, what these leaders are doing, is a perfect fit for the church that you're working to become." That's right. And so tell me about that. Tell me about those those first conversations with Jeremy and Melissa and what it was like and what were some of the questions you had as you thought about what does it look like to bring Celebrate Recovery, which is really a, a ministry rooted in addiction recovery. Mm-hmm. And, and habits, it, hurts, and hang-ups. Habits, hurts, and hang-ups. But, but especially, I mean, you talk about ministries that are needed. Per capita, Putnam County is the leading county in the state of Florida in drug addiction. So, right. so the the highest percentage of our population would be considered uh, current or former drug addicts than any other county in the state of Florida. This is a this is a front and center issue in this community, and the opportunity for you to minister to people coming out of addiction lands on your doorstep. Talk to me about that. So yeah, I mean, I, I didn't go searching for this. I. Um... I knew who Jeremy Ray was. Uh, he grew up at Tabernacle Baptist Church, and and uh, his mom served here. His dad served here. Dad was the worship leader. His mom was the secretary. So, I mean, he literally grew up. Him and his brothers literally grew up here. And so I'm just sitting here one day, you know, minding my own business, and uh, I, I get a visitor, and I say, hey, uh, they, they say, you know, Craig Colbert, says, I've got a ministry. Uh, they're looking to serve. They're looking for a new place. It's a perfect fit for who... Life Church wants to be the community of people that Life Church wants to serve, and um, and uh, to be honest with you, I thought, well, that's okay, that's fine, sure. If it's meant to be, it'll be, and and never really put any more thought into it. Uh, I, I thought over it a little bit over the weekend. I prayed about it over the weekend, and um, I just had this overwhelming sense. I woke up in the middle of the night, a Saturday night. Uh, with Jeremy on my mind, I just had this overwhelming sense that that God wanted me to reach out to him. And so I did. I sent him a text message. Uh, I believe it was Sunday or Monday afternoon and um, had a couple of conversations just really about at the core of what Celebrate Recovery is. Mm-hmm. And it aligns very well with who we want Life Church to be. And so uh, after multiple conversations, I met with the church leaders, uh, we decided to, to bring Jeremy on staff. He serves here on staff with us as our discipleship pastor uh, with his main focus, um, Celebrate Recovery in the jail ministry. And, uh, and so it has just, it's been a great marriage. And so we tell people um, on Sundays and Mondays, uh, what we say is Celebrate Recovery is not something that we do, it's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're all healing from something. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how much I needed a program like Celebrate mm-hmm. Recovery um, because I have hurts, habits, and I have hangups too. Yeah, and so and I believe that we all do. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's a very a very worshipful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you reached out to me um, in in my role with uh, Awaken, um, and. You kind of reached out to me and said, hey, we're going to start doing Celebrate Recovery um, Monday nights. Um, we need help with 
uh, music. We need we need help with worship leaders. And, and so we had kind of gone to our Awaken team and just said, look, um, here's this ministry. And we, we know Jeremy, we know Gary, we believe in what God is doing there. How can we come alongside and be a partner with that? And kind of unanimously, all the worship leaders that are connected with Awaken were like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And so um, I've had the opportunity, I've had the privilege, um, at least twice now, to come and uh, lead worship for uh, Celebrate Recovery and kind of be a fly on the wall for this ministry. And I got to tell you, um, it's powerful. Um, It might be the most powerful evening of worship happening anywhere in this community um, during during the week. Yeah, I agree Um, with that. uh, But what I also love is your heart to help and serve uh, lost people and hurting people and the people of this community um, is put on such tremendous display um, on Monday nights. Because when you come on a Monday night here to celebrate recovery, there's going to be pastors from, you know, six or seven different churches that are here. Yep. Um, there's going to be church members from yep. a dozen different churches that are here. Yep. Um, and then there's going to be a, a massive group of people from uh, from Life Church here. And one of the things that I love is just like you said, that it's not just um, a ministry that Life Church is doing. It's it's who Life Church is. And I think very quickly realizing that once Celebrate Recovery started happening here, it also gave an, an avenue for people in Life Church who are hurting and have got hangups right. to have a place right. to worship and to have a place to experience community and experience that kind of discipleship. And in the last three months now that you've been hosting Celebrate Recovery, it has been a catalyst for the growth of Life Church because it has been that perfect marriage of the core DNA, the core identity of who a of who a replant church is wanting to become with a ministry that is is almost solely designed around that same DNA. And right. so in the last six months, Life Church has gone from an average attendance on a Sunday morning of 25 people yep. to over a hundred. Yep. And that's, I mean, so we're talking 400% growth in six months. That's right. That's, I don't care what size church you are. I don't care what God is doing there. Like that's one of those things where you look back at and you go, this is only God. And then there's that sense of, all right, well, how do we, how do we steward this well? Yeah, we have no idea what we're doing. Because God has placed <laughs> God has placed a huge thing into your hands. Yes. But God's also given you a vision that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So how do you continue to steward well, to manage well what has been entrusted to you, as you lead this congregation, but do it in such a way? where you keep moving the goal line, where you keep letting them know that, hey, we want to stop. We want to celebrate this victory, but recognizing that this this isn't even close to where God ultimately wants to take us. How do you keep that kind of vision in front of the people? Yeah, sure. So we knew that Celebrate Recovery was going to be a highly attended um, worship service, and it is. And, And so Monday nights, 150 people. Sunday mornings, 100 people. Um, 
I don't know how to pastor that many people. Hmm. I, I don't I don't know how to do that. It's not in my skill set right now. I, I I pray that God gives me the wisdom to do that. But here's what I do know: if we just love people, if we just love the people God sends, we don't have to worry about growing a church. Hmm. I'm not in the business of growing a church. I'm in the business of loving the people that God has sent me. And those people go and tell other people how much they're loved. And then those people bring other people. Mm. Well, it's important for pastors to realize that you're not responsible for growing your church. Mm. You are responsible for loving the people that God has sent you. Yeah. And Celebrate Recovery is, is a unique ministry. And you're right. There are, there are any, any Monday, you know, there's five or six or seven other pastors in the room and their churches. And uh, you know, I've been in this community almost 40 years. Hmm. And it's and and I know all of these guys, and it's important that they know me and that they know my heart. And I, I Rob, you know me, and you know mm-hmm. my. I'm not interested in stealing your church members. Yeah, and so you can freely send Duns Creek Baptist Church to Life Church on Monday night. And I'll never try. Maybe a worship leader, but <laughs> ne- <laughs> but I'll never try to steal your church. Yeah. Because that's not the business I'm in. Yeah. We're, we're here to help with the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups. And so it, it is important that other churches and, and my pastor friends realize that we're doing this for the community. Mm-hmm. We're not just doing this for Life Church. Mm-hmm. Because without the community, Life Church isn't, isn't necessary. Yeah. So. You said something there that I think is... is I, I, I want to take a, stec- a second in appreciate the weight of what you just said which is that you want to let your pastor friends know they're not responsible for growing the church that's right they're responsible for caring for the people loving the people that god sends that's right in 21st century evangelical American Christianity that is somewhat of a countercultural approach because we we do live in the age of the celebrity pastor and Mm -hmm. where churches can be defined by their attendance numbers and Mm -hmm. we we tend to define influence by size but that thing of going that's that's fine, but that's all up to God. That's right. And, you know, we, and I'm we, just going to be faithful to love yeah. who, who comes. That's right. Just whoever God sends us, we'll love them. You know, we keep attendance records um, because we have to, you know, for statistical purposes for the convention or whatever. And, and so uh, in our staff meetings, here's, here's what I tell my staff. And, and you have to keep in mind, I, I've, all, I've gone from only staff member churches to multiple staff members now at Life Church. And so here's what, here's what I tell staff. Um, we keep statistics because we feel like we have to. But the only numbers I'm interested in are the numbers of souls that are being saved. Mm. That's the number I'm interested in. Yeah. And uh, if that number is zero on any consecutive week, I want to know what we've done wrong. Mm. Did we preach the gospel? Did we love people? How come lives weren't changed? Mm. And so I, I'm, thank God... Um, for the last three months, we've had souls saved every week on this on this property, mm. and it's not because of anything that I'm doing. Uh, it's it's just because we're loving the people God sends us. Yeah, there's something incredibly powerful about that. Yeah, 
there there are two places in scripture I, I want to talk about and then I, I kind of want you to speak to. But I, I don't believe it is coincidental that Jesus tells Peter two very particular things in the Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew, of course, they're, they're having the discussion, you know, hey, who, you know, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? Oh, some say you're the prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Some, you know, some say you're this, some say you're that. And then he stops and goes, all right, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. You're the one we've been waiting for. And the response is, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, Simon Peter, blessed are you, Peter. For you did not attain this. This wasn't knowledge you gained from from information you'd gathered. This is something spiritual mm-hmm. that was in your heart. Something something spiritual that you are understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And then he says these words. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock I, Jesus speaking, I, Jesus, will build my church. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. John 21, resurrected Jesus, Sea of Galilee, encountering Peter, Peter who had denied him three times, three days before. And Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, of course I love you. Of course I love you. And take care of my sheep. Mm-hmm. Do you love me? Why are you asking me a second time? You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? You, why do you keep asking the same question? You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. In speaking to Peter, Jesus tells him that Jesus will build the church. The responsibility of Peter is to care for the sheep. From your heart as a pastor, speak into that, into those scriptures, if you would, for us. And just, yeah. what does that look like for you? What is what is caring for the sheep look like for you going forward from here? Sure. Yeah, I'll tell you a couple of things. Um, I'm not an amateur at ministry. I've done it a long time. But I've made some really amateur mistakes um, the whole way through. Hmm. Um, and the first, the first amateur mistake that I have made that I that I know some of my uh, my friends make, regardless if you're a pastor or a staff member or just a church leader, uh, if we are doing things our way, if we have to have things our way, if we're if we're if we're leading every single charge and and putting our fingerprint on every single ministry, um, we're building our church. We're not giving Jesus Christ the freedom to build His church, mm. and so it, it's it's important um, that we surrender daily ourselves to the work of Christ. We get busy, and uh, we've got busy schedules, and we've got a, a ton of things to do, and we run from place to place. Uh, but if we're not taking the time on a daily basis to surrender ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ, we're leading our church we're not following as he's leading his church Hmm. and so 
um, that's that's really an important thing um, to me yeah. leading forward. Um, the other thing that I'll mention uh, in relation to those verses uh, is kind of just to reiterate what I've what I've said before. It's it's not our job to build a church. It's Christ's job to build the church, and and our role obviously is is to preach the gospel. Now, there ain't a theologian in Putnam County. There's some smart folks, but none of us are theologians. We're not, there's no universities here. We're not in a seminary town. We're just simple folks, simple lack of preaching the gospel. Hmm. And the gospel's a simple message. Hmm. And if you're not preaching Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the blood of that cross, go home. Hmm. Just go home. Um, the other thing, the last thing I'll say is just love people. We just have to love people. And so uh, I had to change my mentality. When I left here, when I locked the door the very last day, when I locked the door of, of Tabernacle Baptist Church, I had about 12 hours to change my mindset from when I opened the door of Life Church. Mm. I knew that there were a couple of things that I had to do. I had to get Gary out of the way hmm. um, because I like Gary and I like him in the way, but I knew that he had to be out of the way and I knew that Christ had to lead and I knew that I had to love the people. Mm-hmm. Um, however hard it is, however many stumps there are, <laughs> you have to love them. You have to love the stumps too. And, uh, and, and I told somebody the other night, I said, you know what? We're called to love sheep. I, I was sharing this with a, with a ministry. We're called to love sheep. We're all called to preach the gospel. But shepherds are called to love the sheep. And sometimes sheep bite. Hmm. We don't kick them. We don't retaliate. We just love them through it. Hmm. And, uh, and so going forward, that's, that's what I do. I take the message of the gospel. I simplify it as much as I can. And I just love God's people. Hmm. If he adds to the church, he adds to it. Uh, if not, I'll just love who's here. Yeah, I love that. Gary, I love you. I, love I appreciate you. you and your friendship. Um, so excited for what we're seeing at Life Church and for all that is yet to come. Um, I'm excited. Uh, something that we can't talk publicly about yet yeah. um, is another ministry that um, is prepared to launch here. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, it's, it's one that I have relationship with and um, I, I believe in the power of. And uh, so I'm excited for doing this again next season where you can talk a little more openly um, about all that's getting ready to launch on Tuesday nights here. Um, but we just believe that God is going to continue to do great things here as you love the sheep that are here and trust God with the rest of it. Amen. All right. Uh, those of you who are listening, thank you so much for sticking with us. I uh, hope that you have enjoyed this conversation with Pastor Gary from Life Church Palatka, and we will look forward to seeing you back next Monday. God bless you.